So good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children ages four through third grade make their way in that direction to junior worship. If you're our guest today for the first time just and you have children that age range, just head back in that direction. The rest of you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke chapter 1. And as we're turning there, I want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship service. It is, it is our worship offering that we bring to the Lord. It's, more, it's not just doing the business of the church, but this is an expression to God, a very true expression of where he is in our hearts. And so we have provided four ways for you to, to give your donations. You can mail a check to our church church address here. You can give an automatic draft through the bank. You can give online through our website. Go to our eastsidesprings.com. There's a button right there. Click on it. It's quite easy to follow. Or if you're here with us in person, there is a basket right back there on that table and for those of and you can just drop it off there for those of you that are aren't with us in person but you're with us live streaming we are absolutely delighted to have you with us this morning Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38 So last week as as we were actually it was Nathan was with us last week I mentioned to you that that the purpose of Luke's gospel is not simply to, to tell a story. It is telling a story indeed of Jesus Christ. But it's more than that. It's to draw us into this living story. But I think there's a, there's a barrier to that because there can be a, a tendency, as you're going to see today, I think, or as you'll perhaps feel, to see these events in, in the Bible as stories that, that really only occur in Bible story land. And so they, they don't really play out in, a, in our lives on a day-to-day basis. I think there's also the tendency to, to elevate the characters in the Bible stories to, to something like superhero status. So we just don't see a connection of, of their stories to our stories. I love how James in his New Testament letter speaks of the superhero that we know of Elijah. And he writes in that letter, he said Elijah was a man just like us. And he's helping us see that what you see in Elijah's story can also be what you see in, in our story as well. And I think this barrier that we have is very obvious as it relates to the character's in the Advent story, in, in the Christmas narrative, I think there can be the tendency to take Joseph and, and Mary and the shepherds and the wise men and, and place them in the same category as Santa and Rudolph. And so we see these Bible characters in the Christmas story almost like mythical characters that really have no parallel to our story. I think this is extremely true, or perhaps could not be truer, than with our main character in our passage today, which is, is Mary. For centuries, people have elevated Mary to this near Godhead status. Karen and I lived for many years in Central Europe, and so we have toured 
countless numbers. You always got to go to the cathedrals in, in the big cities in Europe. And it's almost, I'm pretty sure, in every single cathedral I went into, there was always to the right inside of the cathedral a statue of Mary. And you would always see people kneeling before Mary and lifting up to her in prayer words that are also used in worship to God, elevating her to a place far beyond us. And so she's out of reach. Her story has nothing to do with us. But I think it's very true. What is written of Elijah. Can be written also or said of Mary. That Mary was a woman. Just like us. And as you look more deeply into, your, into her story. You discover that Mary's story it's your story. It's my story. Let's take a look. Chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Or some of your translations read, for nothing will be impossible for God. That's accurate. Verse 38. I am the Lord. I love these words. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So I just want to share with you five ways in which Mary's story is your story. First of all, Mary was chosen. And oh, I pray that you hear that this morning. You are by God chosen. So I, I want you to say it with me. I'm going to say it and then you repeat it after me, okay? We'll do it like that. We're going to do all five of these, at least four of these points like that. I'm going to say it, you repeat it after me. I am chosen. Let's try that again. I am chosen. So if you would allow me, I want to, to be a little bit romantically syrupy for just a bit. Whenever I, whenever I read this story or think of this story, I, I actually think of the first time I ever met Karen, my wife. We went on a, we went on a blind date. And after the date, we were in college, I took her, I, I don't know, we were with some friends, they dropped us off. Somehow, I was walking from her dorm back, I wasn't really walking. 
I don't know. I don't think my feet were on the ground. Some kind of float back to the dorm room. And I remember saying to Jeff, my roommate, I said, you know, Jeff, if God would have waited until our day to send Christ into the world, and if he had been looking for a Mary in our day to give birth to his son, I think I just met the girl. Okay, so enough of that. <laughs> At the time of Jesus' birth, it's estimated that the population of the world was 300 million. Of all of those people, why did he choose Mary? She was a, a very unlikely person from a very unlikely place. She was from Nazareth of Galilee. Galilee was, was a place of commoners. If you, if you know what Nathaniel, Nathaniel the, uh, in the book of John, gives us an idea of the reputation of, of Nazareth, her hometown. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Meaning, no, there's nothing good that comes from Nazareth. You would know that somebody was from Nazareth simply by them speaking. Every time I open my mouth here in Colorado Springs, everybody knows I'm not from here. They always ask you, where are you from? When you would meet somebody from Nazareth, you would know... They're not from around here. They had a cruder dialect. And so from this country hick town, God chose a country hick girl with a good old Tennessee accent, or country hick accent of Nazareth, who was likely somewhere between 13 to 17 years old. And I asked this question, but she had to. Did she ever just wonder and ask herself, why me? Of all the people in the world, why was I chosen? What? What's that about? We'll see next week with one of Mary's relatives, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. She understood this honor that Mary had, as she says in, in chapter 1 and verse 42, blessed are you among women. What an incredible blessing and honor and privilege out of all the women in the world that God chose Mary. I love the words to the casting crown song. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name. And that so much echoes the sentiments of the, the psalmist in Psalm 8. As he's, as he's just reflecting over God's majesty. God's splendor and God's greatness. And he's in awe of it. And he kind of sees and thinks of himself. And he then moves from God to himself and says, What is man that you were mindful of him? And that's a rhetorical question making the point that God is mindful of us. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 we read these words. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. That means that like Mary out of the 7 billion 
plus people in the world today. God chose you, Warren. He, he picked you out, Ken. Before the creation of the world, Ginger, God says, I want her. And here's what's amazing about it. Not only out of the 7 billion plus people in the world did he lay eyes on you and say, I want that person. He wants all 7 billion plus people. That's his desire for his choice. How do you wrap your brain around that? He does. He knows your name. The name of all 7 billion plus people. He knows your nickname. He knows where you were born. He knows the last four digits of your social security number. He knows all the digits of your social security number. He knows your mother's maiden name. He knows your grandmother's maiden name and your great-grandmother's maiden name. He knows your login and password to all of your accounts. Every sinful thing you've ever said, he's heard it, he knows it. Every thought that you've ever thought that was ungodly and wholesome and you should not have thought it, he knows it. Everything you've done that you should not have done he knows it and he chose you anyway which leads us to the next way that Mary's story is your story but first let's just say it I'll say it you repeat it after me I am chosen but secondly Mary was not only chosen but Mary was highly favored You are highly favored. Let's do it again. I am highly favored. You guys are great. Thank you. The angel told Mary in verse 30, you have found favor with God. But it's not just favor. In his first words, in his greetings to her, as the kids did a phenomenal job last night. Great job. One of the children read the story. Greetings as he was speaking to Mary. You who are not favored, you who are highly favored. And that word favored could just as easily be translated as it is elsewhere in Scripture as grace. Grace meaning to be given a gift, though so incredibly undeserving. Do not believe the heretical and idolatrous teaching that Mary was sinless. We're going to see next week in her Oh, it's a beautiful song of worship. She refers to God as her Savior. Mary realized that she was a sinner in need of a Savior. And that, biblically speaking, is true for all of us. And so this passage that I, that I referred to earlier in Ephesians chapter 1 that tells us that He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. It then goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2 that He chose us not because we've been so good and so deserving. It's not that He looked upon the earth and He said, well, look at Hayden paying such good attention to the sermon as he is mom and dad where are they he's been so good behaved so well I'll take you no listen I know Hayden he's not that good (laughs) every one of you laughed you're not either because you shouldn't have laughed at him 
And I shouldn't have made fun of him. None of us are. He chose us in him, not because we have been so good and deserving, Ephesians chapter 2, but because of his grace. It's the same with Mary. He chose us, as the casting crown song continues to state, not because of who I am. Goodness, no. But because, the song says, of who you are, referring to God. Because of his great love for me, in spite of me, I am chosen by God because I'm highly favored. And I think perhaps nowhere is this truth more powerfully stated than in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, where we read, it's a beautiful, powerful verse, while we were still powerless, ungodly, and still sinners, he chose us, he chose to die for us in that state. You see, if you all knew everything about me that God knows about me, you would have never hired me. Or you would have fired me very quickly. But let's be fair about it. If we all knew about you, what God knows about you, we would have never let you in the door. But here's the gospel. God knows it all. Everything about you. And he chose you because like Mary, you are highly favored. Say it with me. I am chosen. I am highly favored. This next one's awkward. I couldn't come up with a sophisticated way of saying it. No surprise there. Thirdly, the third way I see Mary's story is your story is that Mary was pregnant. <laughs> told you it's not very sophisticated listen stay with me Mary was pregnant no I didn't say I said stay with me I didn't say repeat it your time's coming y'all are having fun Mary was pregnant do you know what that means if Mary's story is your story listen you are pregnant say it with me wait ready no no say it after me I am pregnant Say it with me. I am pregnant. No, I mean seriously, men. Seriously. To those who were really young, really old, or really single, that just feels kind of weird. Like Amy, I want you to look at your mom and dad right now and just say, hey, I'm pregnant. Nicole, when you get home, I want you to go straight to your mom and dad, look them in the eye and say, Mom and dad, I'm pregnant. And some of you, if you're like me, you're thinking, that's really inappropriate. Eddie, you're, you're, you're getting an email from me today. You can count on it. That happens. I, I think it is, it feels that way. It does feel inappropriate to say that. That feels weird. It feels, it feels 
scandalous. Now, Nicole and Amy gave me permission, just in case that helps you not be so angry at me. So now that I've dug myself into this hole, let me try to dig myself out of it. How, how, did, how did she feel when the angel Gabriel, after he left, and she's just kind of thinking about it, I'm not married, I've, I'm a virgin, kids, that means she's never been with a man, that's how babies work here. Parents thank me for that, perhaps. I'm pregnant? How? I just wonder, did her heart not race when she went to tell her parents? How do you, how do, you do that? I think for most of us here, and especially the men, and you singles, and you younger children, and those who are senior citizens, okay, thank you, you played along with me when I said I am pregnant, and that was lots of fun, but inside you're going, that's silly, that's crazy, that's impossible, how could, that, how could that ever happen? Those were Mary's words. Verse 34, how will this be? Well, the angel Gabriel told her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Oh, the Holy Spirit has a really powerful role in the Christmas narrative. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, he explained. This is how it's going to happen. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Church, this is a foundational doctrine of our Christian faith of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, a sign that there's something more going on here than a natural person because this is not a natural conception. Luke is making sure we understand as he states here the deity of Jesus Christ as Luke calls him the Son of God, the Son of the Most High, one whose kingdom will reign forever. God by His Spirit, think about it, God, by His Spirit, entered this woman's body. He entered her womb and He became a, a living cell. One of my best friends comes to see me every week, Abigail Drexel. And her mom is pregnant. And every week I get an update on her mom's pregnancy from Abigail. And I think the first time was, baby's like a little pea. Is that what she said? Maybe like uh-huh. A poppy seed. The baby's like a poppy seed. You don't think the other day she came in and says, now the baby's like a, a blueberry. What's that got to be like? God is that little blueberry inside. A, a cell, a zygote, a, a fetus, a living, growing child. How many times... Did Mary just stop and go, God is living and growing inside of me? The Spirit of God entered her body and it impacted and changed her. The Spirit of God impacted and changed her physically to the point that she began to show on the inside, what the Holy Spirit was doing in her on the inside began to show in her life very clearly on the outside. And while that sounds absolutely unthinkable, absolutely crazy, only a story that belongs in Bible story land, it is true for you. Mary was pregnant. You are pregnant. 
Upon placing your faith in him through baptism, the Bible tells us that you are given the Holy Spirit within. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. He overshadows you. And he, he, he did exactly what he did with Mary. He does with you. In John chapter 3, this moment is described as a, as a new birth. A birth of water and of the Spirit. And in John chapter 1, of this birth, John in his prologue to Jesus' story in his Christmas narrative writes, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent nor of human decision, nor a husband's will. This is not mom and dad coming together. It's not that. It's not physical. This is spiritual, but born of God. The Apostle Paul writes of this miraculous conception in Colossians. He speaks of it as a mystery, which is Christ in, that word in is a really big word there, Christ in you. That's where he is by his spirit. With similar words in Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes, Christ lives in me. Just as God by his spirit entered Mary's body and gave her a son to be formed within you, upon your baptism in him, he by his spirit enters your body, this is truth, church, forming in you the person of Christ, shaping and conforming you into his image, so much so to the point on the inside that it begins to show in your life on the outside. Mary's story is your story. Say it with me. I am, I am chosen I am highly favored. I am pregnant. You'll probably remember that point. Okay, you don't repeat everything. <laughs> so what's that for? What's the purpose of that? Point number four. Mary was chosen for a purpose. You are chosen for a purpose. Say it after me. I am chosen for a purpose. Thank you. The angel spoke these words to Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son. That means you're going to conceive this child. You're going to bring him into the world. That's your, the purpose of this. And you will give him the name Jesus. That's the same Hebrew word from which we get Joshua. Jesus and Joshua means the God, didn't we sing that earlier? The God who saves. God is salvation. Mary was chosen by God to bring Christ, the Savior, into the world. Mary wasn't simply saved for the purpose of being saved, but she was saved for the purpose of being an instrument of God to bring salvation to the world through bringing Christ to her world. That was her, pur her purpose. That's why she was chosen. That's your life's purpose. That's why God has chosen you. Not only that you might be saved, but that you, like Mary, might bring Christ to others. That they too may be saved. And I say that thinking I'm stating the obvious, but I don't think it's necessarily so obvious. It's absolutely shocking. How many who regard themselves as Christians are doing so many good religious things 
but not actively involved in evangelism, not sharing the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ with others, which is actually the very purpose and the very mission for which we were chosen. And so I said it last week, and I'll repeat it again this week, is we're going to see in Luke as we get to the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man, at the end of the story, Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek. Son of Man, that's Jesus. Why did he come? He came to seek and to save the lost. That was his purpose. Now, if you're following Jesus, what does that mean? Is your life's purpose. If seeking and saving the lost is not the primary purpose of your life, you may be a Christian according to the American definition, contemporary American definition of a Christian, but you're not a follower of Jesus because that's, that's who he was. That's what he did. That's why he came. And that may intimidate you. It may frighten you. It may feel overwhelming to you. It may feel impossible to you. Well, it did to Mary. Gabriel made sure she understood this wasn't what Mary was going to do, but what God did in her and through her by the Holy Spirit. As Mary fully surrendered her life to God. Point number five. Let's review. What's the first one? Anybody remember? I am chosen. Point number two. I am highly favored. Point number three, you'll never forget. (laughs) Point number four, I'm chosen for a purpose. And point number five is Mary fully surrendered her life to God. As God had chosen Mary, as you follow the story, now it was up to Mary to make a choice. Here were her words, choice. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. Whatever you say, I'll do it. Why out of the 300 million people in the world did God choose Mary what was it about her humble surrender that word humble that's going to be our theme next week because you can't miss that in the next passage God has chosen you for an incredible eternal purpose but he's not going to work against your will You must choose. And perhaps you know the statement Jesus made at the close of one of his parables. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called. All seven billion and plus right now, God desires, God calls, but few are chosen. Whom does he choose? Those who choose him in humble surrender. Mary's story is your story as you choose to respond to him as she did with the words, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. She surrendered her life fully to God and we're talking about her today. Will you say today, okay, I fully surrender 
my life to you, God. Christian or, or not, how does that look? What does that mean for you today? Let's ask God to reveal that to us in prayer. Would you stand with me and pray? Father, we thank you for these living words that you have drawn us into this story and helped us to see that this is not simply a story so many centuries ago that we remember and sing about but have no relevance to our lives. Oh, Father, thank you that Mary's story is our story, that you have an incredible purpose for our lives. But as we take this song and enter into prayer, Father, I ask and pray that you would show each one of us individually, those of us who aren't followers of Jesus and those of us who are, what does it mean today for us to fully surrender our lives to God? We come to you. And as we go into this song, I want to encourage you to, to reach out to one another in, in prayer. Uh, our shepherds are here to pray with you. As a matter of fact, I would invite our shepherds in a group to go and pray with Steve and, and Lynn as they're here today grieving the loss of her mother. And you all know other people who need our prayers. Let's go to God now in prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.